The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome back to The Bird Call, a product of SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. Now, we're going back down Ian Clark Lane all weekend, beginning with Mason Ginsburg of Bourbon Street Shots yesterday. Today, with Christian Rivas of 16WindsARing.com, followed by New Blood Travis Tate, and tomorrow culminated with boss man Ali Cassell and Kevin Berrios. And please don't forget, retweet, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. But for now... Let's call our old friend Christian. From coast to coast, here's Christian. What's up, dude? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? Dude, thanks for taking the time. How you been, man? I've been doing all right. Just trying to keep busy during... Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. This uh, off-season, it's still got a little little while to the season start, so, you know, just trying trying to stay busy. Well, for you guys, Christian is a contributor and Twitter handler for 16winsaring.com. And right now they're focusing on something pretty cool. Uh, it's the doldrums of the offseason. So a way that they keep themselves busy is on a series listing every franchise's Mount Rushmore. Bird Wright's own Nico debuted his article, Big Easy Mount Rushmore, just last week. So make sure to head over to 16 Wins a Ring and give them a follow. But uh, for now, Christian and I have actually gone through a comedy of errors today. He's on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. And you would think a grown adult man could figure out the difference. And I did after much thought and reflection and conversations with Siri. But I am glad you're here, Christian. Let's get to it. Two weeks ago, uh, it was reported by Brad Turner of the Los Angeles Times, as we just discussed, that the Lakers were showing great interest in both Derrick Rose and Ian Clark and plan to sign one of them to the veteran minimum. However, Rose chose Cleveland, as we all know, and the Lakers opted to, to stand pat on Clark. And then the Lakers chose to bring back Tyler Ennis. What happened there, Christian? I honestly don't know. I'm, I was pretty vocal about how I didn't want the Lakers to sign Derrick Rose or Rajon Rondo just because they were big names, but the fit wouldn't have been there. At least I don't think. I think they 
the Lakers saw last year what it was like to run two different teams uh, with their first and second unit. You have D'Angelo Russell, who was making plays for people running the point with uh, at with the first unit, and you had Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench that uh, only has tunnel vision to the basket. He only sees the basket. So uh, I thought that was weird. I thought Ian Clark was a really good fit. I mean, he's no... Uh, you know he hasn't he hasn't had the career that Derrick Rose and Rajon Rondo have. He's uh, never even averaged more than seven points a game, or shot more than thirty or more than forty percent from the field. Uh, so you know, but I I thought he knew his role with the Golden State Warriors and the what Luke Walton's trying to run and with with the Lakers in Los Angeles. I thought he was trying to run a similar system. So I thought I thought the fit was there. It's I'm surprised they didn't uh, swoop Ian Clark up. I thought he would have been a great fit. Yeah, Steve Kerr called him one of his favorite players to coach, but I have to be completely honest. I haven't seen too much of Ian Clark myself outside of the playoffs. He's never averaged more than 14 minutes a game. He did perform pretty well for the Warriors last season. He uh, topped his year with a 36-point performance, all all bit in a battle of the backups with the Spurs. And uh, yet he's, he's garnered seemingly little to no interest, as far as I can tell. Were the Pelicans his only option, in your opinion, or did you think he just relished the chance to play with the Pelicans and our, our newfound recruiter, DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah, I think the way Ian Clark looked at it is he wanted his best shot at playoff basketball. And for the Lakers to make the playoffs, a lot of things have to go right. Uh, Lonzo Ball has to be fantastic his rookie season. Uh, Julius Randle has to have a breakout year. Brandon Ingram has to have a breakout year. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts with that team. And also, you're looking at a team that's going to look very different next summer. So, yeah, we'll touch a we'll touch on that a little bit more later. I know, but um, <laughs> with with Ian Clark, I think uh, the Pelicans are a really good situation for him, just because the the guard depth in New Orleans is pretty damn slim right now. Uh, it's, so, I I think it's you know a real good move for them. the The thing with the Pelicans, and we talked about this last time, is there's not a ton of moving parts on that team. We know what has to happen for the Pelicans to make the playoffs. And that's for DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis to figure out whatever's going on in the front court. If they figure that out, Ian Clark's going to make the playoffs again. He's, I, I don't know how many times he's missed the playoffs in his career, uh, but he started playing in the 2013-14 season uh, with the Utah Jazz. I don't know if they made the playoffs that year, but uh, as long as he's been with the Warriors, he hasn't missed the playoffs. So, uh, I think he wants to be, uh, you know, be, be be playing in May. And I think with the Pelicans, he has a real chance of doing that. Uh, talk a bit more about the Pelicans backcourt and Ian Clark's fit in it. Uh, you just touched upon how the Pelicans are pretty thin back there. Of course, we've got Etuan Moore, who's a serviceable, uh, serviceable backup, and he can afford starters minutes at times, but not somebody you want playing 30 minutes in a, in a playoff series. Uh, you've also got Jordan Crawford, who was out of the NBA until about six months ago and played really well, shot over 40% from three. Now, can he keep that up? Uh, unfortunately, he was out of the NBA for three years. So you'd have to say that the jury is out on that. And all of the fans in New Orleans were pretty despondent with the way the offseason was going before we signed Rajon Rana to a very palatable $3.3 million. And now Clark has uh, fans in New Orleans pretty much swooning at the veteran minimum. Uh, tell us again, Christian, why should fans be excited about bringing Ian Clark to town? Talk a little bit about his game. And being on the West Coast, you've probably seen him play a bit more than our listeners have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Ian Clark's fit with New Orleans is especially good because it's kind of, it, um, 
the the Pelicans aren't the Golden State Warriors, but his situation, assuming he comes off the bench, is going to be similar uh, to what he had with the Golden State Warriors. He'll have uh, he'll be surrounded by defenders, which is the way he thrives because Ian Clark is kind of undersized for a shooting guard. He's only six three. So if you're putting Rajon Rondo and uh, just say mm, Solomon Hill around him, uh, you have two pretty pretty decent defenders surrounding him and allowing him to do what he does best, which is shoot the ball, uh, just get him open shots. Even if he gets some run in with the first unit, I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, playing with Drew Holiday, who's arguably one of the best defensive point guards in the league. Um, so I think, I think he's going to be a great fit there. It, it, he's not going to play a huge role, which I think is what straight him away from playing with the Lakers. I, I think the Lakers are really looking for a third guard. I think they're going to try to get some run out of Josh Hart. He's already kind of old, uh, played four years at Villanova. So uh, I think Ian Clark's fit with with the Pelicans is going to be better than I think a lot of people think. Just surround him with defenders, get him open shots, and he'll make them. Um, and the Pelicans haven't had a contributor like that off the bench for a little while. So uh, I think Pelicans fans should be very excited about this signing. Yeah, I think what they're expecting is uh, Jordan Crawford was a, a pretty much a knockdown shooter last season for us. Didn't afford a lot of defense, but uh, he, he was a, a very knowledgeable passer. He, he saw lanes open seemingly before anybody else on the court did. Uh, Drew Holiday included at times. Now, Ian Clark, obviously, he's a 40% spot-up shooter when he's open. This was something I saw broken down today. He's 37% on the season last year, shot 47% from the field on only seven points a game. But he never averaged more than 14 uh, minutes a game uh, throughout his career. I think he only hit the 20-minute threshold last year, also 14 times. The Pelicans will seemingly have to utilize a lot of small lineups to give everyone floor time. The Pelicans right now are planning on starting Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo next to each other. They're going to want each one more to, to play a good number of minutes. And obviously, Solomon Hill has been one of our Iron Man. He, he hasn't missed any time, and he always plays at least 30 minutes. How do you think Clark will fare if Solomon Hill has to move to the four, uh, bodying up against bigger wing players defensively? So I, if that, cause it's a fair point that the Pelicans have a really good problem in their backcourt and they, um, you know, with guards that can play multiple positions, Ian Clark can play a little point guard too. Uh, he's not the passer, say Rajon Rondo or Drew Holiday is, but he can man the fort back there. With smaller lineups, I still think he'll be playing the two. Um, only because I think Rajon Rondo is going to spend most of his time with the second unit. I think Rajon Rondo is going to start, but when you have the amount of firepower or lack thereof off the bench, uh, like you do with the Pelicans, you're going to need a playmaker. And that's where I think Rajon Rondo is going to be invaluable to New Orleans. Uh, getting guys involved like Ian Clark, Jordan Crawford, because uh, Jordan Crawford's six four, you can slide him over to the three if you absolutely need to. Uh, like you said, with those smaller lineups, uh, I think Etwan Moore is going to be seeing the the three a little more, and I I don't see why they wouldn't. But um, with with Ian Clark, like I said, the the key is going to be surrounding him with defenders and hiding his weaknesses, which Golden State r- did really well, and it's really easy to do that when you have. Uh, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, and even sometimes Draymond Green sharing the floor with him. Um, but he's going to be a real weapon offensively. And uh, if if Solomon Hill can have a bounce back year, 
and show that he deserves the contract that he signed last season. Uh, I think I think it'll be a, a real good year for the Pelicans. They're definitely going to need to hope that he shoots a bit better. He actually finished at 35% from three on yeah. the season, uh, which it, it, when you think about uh, the games that you watch him play, it's it's hard to believe that he actually put up those numbers. But he did. Uh, you mentioned Ian Clark's weaknesses and being able to hide them. And they're definitely going to be exploited here with the Pelicans because the Pelicans don't really have, uh, let's say if Ian Clark is running with the second unit, they don't have a proven three to go next to him behind Solomon Hill is Darius Miller and Quincy Pondexter. Darius Miller, of course, has been uh, playing in Europe for three years and Quincy Pondexter hasn't played a game in over two years. So he's, he's definitely going to get exploited. Talk a bit more about those weaknesses and what you need to put around Ian Clark in order to hide them. Well, I, I mentioned this before, but he's, he's only six, three and you know, six, three isn't, so short for a shooting guard these days with the league going smaller uh but it's still pretty small and his his wingspan isn't ideal for the shooting guard position i mean uh, in the western conference you're going to be going up against uh real big boys um so it, it's it's going to be tough for him even even guys coming off the bench you think about an ian, ian clark eric gordon head to head without the defenders that he had on golden state warriors that's going to be tough uh, but it it's gonna the key to his success is gonna be what who you put around him, and I think a lot of the lineups that the Pelicans are gonna have to put around him are gonna have to include uh, a Rajon Rondo or a Solomon Hill. Um, I don't think he'll be a sixth man just because of the talent ahead of him on the on the roster. Um, and if they could if they could field the market for maybe a, a defensive small forward, I can't even think off the top of my head who's still available, but that would be worth something uh, to explore. That would be something worth exploring. Yeah, uh, I thought the Pelicans these. could have gotten in on Luke Bamute before yeah. he went to Houston. That would have been a good name. But uh, it looks like right now we've got 14 players guaranteed contracts. We've only got one slot left. We have absolutely no wiggle room due to being mm-hmm. pressed against the hard cap luxury tax. Uh, we still have the bird rights on Dante Cunningham, but we'd probably have to uh, – let some salary go somewhere, maybe stretching Ashik or trading away Quincy Pondexter. But I know they really want Quincy Pondexter to play this season. They're really hoping that he can bounce back. Thank you so much for your insight, Christian. Uh, really trying to learn as much about Ian Clark as I can, because at this point, I really don't see a place for him. All the Pelicans fans are super excited. Uh, one, because he played for the Warriors. He's got a lot of energy. He showed us in spurts, especially against the Spurs, how he's got that runner. He can cut under the uh, uh, behind the backboard. Uh, he can shoot from the top of the key. He's a reliable shooter. He's a confident shooter. But that's kind of what Jordan Crawford does. So yeah. other than the um, the energy and the youth, I'm I'm just not clear so far on what Ian Clark does better than Jordan Crawford. I know he's a ball handler. I know he's listed as a point guard, but I've never really seen him play that because I'm used to watching him in the playoffs, you know, just kind of sitting down at the elbow or uh, sitting behind the three-point line and just like cunning and running and like pushing past screens. Um, I really haven't seen yet what he does best. So thank you so much for taking the time to to describe Ian Clark to us. Uh, now, if I could move on a bit, uh, I wanted to ask you about something that we talked about briefly last time, and that's the, the DeMarcus Cousins trade. We've got so much news this week on DeMarcus Cousins, just on him being used as a recruiter, playing a big part in bringing Ian Clark to New Orleans, being a big part in bringing uh, Rajon Rondo to New Orleans. And uh, now I want to go over the the trade. It's It's been almost six months at this point. Uh, I think it'll be six months at the end of the month. 
And at the time, the trade was said to have saved Dell Demps' job. We gave up Buddy Heald and this year's first-round pick and a couple of salary cap fodder just to, to make it work. And we thought that that was a slam dunk. We even uh, got away with not giving them an additional first-round pick. Now, after having seen the picks uh, given away, or not even picks, given away for Indiana Pacers forward Paul George and Jimmy Butler, do you still grade the DeMarcus Cousins trade as an absolute slam dunk? Or do you think that superstar players just go for 50 cents on the dollar nowadays? Uh, Is is it possible that it's a little bit of both? Because I think... uh... The Kings certainly didn't come out as bad as I thought they would have. I mean, they got a an excellent player in Darren Fox. They, I, I think they did fantastic in the draft. Um, and they, because of how well they did in the draft, they got some big fish in free agency. They got George Hill on a multi-year contract. I thought that was a real big get. Lakers were interested in him for a little while. Uh, they got Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. I thought those were really good pickups. Um, so... But I, I still think, you know, it's it's not it's not the highway robbery people thought it was initially. But I, whenever you're getting a top five player, not a, not a top five player, a top five player at their position, uh, in Demarcus Cousins, I think it's you know hard to say they didn't win the trade, because anytime you get a top five player, it's fantastic. And you look at the trade for Jimmy Butler on draft night, uh, you know that some would argue that that's even worse than what. With the Pelicans, or yeah, with the Pel, with the Pelicans got uh, for Demarcus Cousins, or with the Kings got, sorry, because um, Jimmy Butler still has a a good chunk on his contract. He still has a, several years on his contract left, and you have Demarcus Cousins who only had two. Um, and I'd say that I I think the the Bulls got robbed even worse than the Kings did. So uh, I I think it's going to be interesting. We'll see. With the Kyrie Irving trade, if it ever happens, uh, how much the superstar market has boiled down. Uh, I think that's going to be, but I think the DeMarcus Cousins trade definitely set the precedent. If things go really bad in New Orleans, which I don't, I don't think they will. I think they'll figure things out this year. But if things go bad right away, I think the Pelicans start have to start exploring trades for uh, DeMarcus Cousins in case he bolts next summer. I'm feeling pretty confident right now, uh, Christian, and I'm going to tell you why. Everybody's saying all the right things. Uh, A bunch of players like Bobby Portis today on Twitter have come out saying Rajon Rondo is the best teammate that they've ever had. Today, DeMarcus Cousins said Rondo is kind of psychic. It's kind of freaky. He's always going to bring the best out of his teammates. Uh, Alvin Gentry has been saying all the right things about Rondo and Boogie Cousins. And uh, today, Gentry also said, anyone who's seen Boogie's Instagram post, you can see his body is looking and how much he's transformed it. One thing we talked about is that we have to be in great condition and great shape because we're not going to be a walk it up, play slow team. We're going to continue to run an attack. And also DeMarcus was quoted saying, I've reached out to everybody. I mean, I don't want to throw names out there, but some of the biggest names that are on the block right now I've reached out to. It's just about getting better. Everybody's saying the right things. Obviously, it's the offseason. It's easy to get excited in August. It's much harder to, to keep that excitement going through November and December. But everybody seems excited. Everybody's buying in. Drew Holiday is buying into moving over to the two. Anthony Davis is buying into to sacrificing Chris Finch, our new uh, offensive coordinator, so to speak, is talking about uh, positionless basketball and everybody just uh, having the freedom to do what they do best. It, 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 it all sounds very good right now. But Christian, yeah. be our realist. Tell us where you see the Pelicans finishing in the Western Conference as of today. Uh, so I know... 
uh, ESPN released their projections today, if I'm not mis- mistaken. I think they had the Pelicans finishing ninth. Um, let me just double check on that. But I think that's that, that's where they had them. I don't think that's too far fetched. I th- I think they'll be the eighth seed in the West. Um, I know the the Utah Jazz will probably flirt with the eighth seed in the West, as will the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and but the only thing that's so hard with the Pelicans is that from now uh, till the trade deadline, at least they have very little means of improving their roster without trading a high profile player. Um, but they're not going to trade Anthony Davis. I know there were some rumblings about that, about how the how Boston was willing to, you know, give the Godfather offer for for Anthony Davis if things go awry, but. I think um, it, it, the, what they have is what they have right now, and what they have is not a lot outside of Drew Holiday, Marcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis. They can certainly improve if the players on their roster now uh, have bounce back seasons, because the players that were signed to the contracts that Pelicans look like, look at and go, "Ugh, I can't believe we signed them to that contract," uh, got there for a reason. I mean, they weren't given that money just because. People were feeling nice. Uh, they they earned those contracts because of at some point in their career they played uh, well enough to to earn that money. So if they have bounce back years, if if uh, Solomon Hill has has a bounce back year, then you start talking about okay, well maybe this is uh, just a definitive playoff team as a seventh eighth seed. But I don't see them climbing any higher than that. The Western Conference is stacked, and I'm looking at the projections ESPN put out today. And they have the Pelicans finishing ninth. So, and they have the Jazz finishing ahead of them, uh, who just lost Gordon Hayward, as you know, but just re-upped Joe Ingles. So, uh, the the Jazz have been together longer than the Pelicans team has. So that's something they have on you. Uh, but the Nuggets, I'd watch because Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap are going to be uh, on paper. They look fantastic. I think uh, even on the court, they're going to be great. But they're still a really young team. Uh, the Nuggets don't have the depth at point guard that the Pelicans do. Uh, they have Jamal Murray, uh, who looks very good, but he plays off the ball most of the time. Uh, but right now they're looking at Jameer Nelson and uh, Emmanuel Moutier, who has been disappointing in his first few years in the league. So uh, if there's anything that the Pelicans have over the Nuggets, it's going to be, uh, which is the team I think uh, is going to be the difference maker in the Western Conference. It's either uh the Pelicans, the Nuggets, or the Trailblazers. Uh, I think it's going to be their experience. Uh, you, you mentioned Denzel Valentine and Bobby Portis bringing up Rajon Rondo as one of the best teammates they've ever had, or the the best teammate they've ever had. And I think that's important. Uh, and you have that chemistry between Rajon Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins, who spent some time together on the Kings. Um, so you have the pieces there. The Pelicans have the pieces there. Uh, it's just all about connecting the dots about buying into Alvin Gentry's system. Uh, and if they can do that, the, the eighth seed is, is very possible. Um, and we'll just have to see what they do. Christian, thank you so much for your time. You mentioned Solomon Hill and how important he's going to be. Uh, stay tuned Pelicans fans, because we're going to go in depth on Solomon Hill, a season review of him and what to expect going forward. And if he'll finally uh, improve that shooting stroke, but for now, Christian, tell us a little bit about what you guys have coming up for us at 16 wins Well, you mentioned before that we have our, um, 
our Mount Rushmore pieces right now, which I've I've read all of them, and they've all been phenomenal. I think our writers are doing a really good job of uh, putting together these pieces during the off season. And uh, credit our editor in chief, Adam Joseph, he's been phenomenal in uh, you know putting these ideas out, putting these projects together. Um, what we are looking at right now is our off season grades. Uh, things are starting to cool down, and rosters are starting to shape. You, we have a better idea of how our teams or how teams did in the off season. So that's something we got going going on. Uh, the the Mount Rushmore pieces will still be going out. I'll I'll have my Lakers Mount Rushmore piece out, and uh, I'm ready for the damage that will be done to my mentions after I put it out because um, it, I do have some unpopular opinions on there. But we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Christian, it can't be said you're not an interesting follow on Twitter. I encourage everybody follow him at Rad Rivas. Trust me, uh, he's a he's a great and entertaining follow. <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for your time. To our listeners, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Please don't forget uh, subscribe, retweet, uh, give us a rating on iTunes. We really appreciate any of the help that you can give to us. And stay tuned. We've got Travis Tate coming up after this. We'll be talking all things Solomon Hill. But for now, let's go, pals. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.